Our Old Testament passage today picks up in Numbers chapter 26, verse 1. After the plague, the Lord said to Moses and to Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, Take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel from twenty years old and upward by their fathers' houses, all in Israel who are able to go to war. And Moses and Eleazar the priest spoke with them in the plains of Moab by the Jordan, saying, Take a census of the people from twenty years old and upward, as the Lord commanded Moses. The people of Israel who came out of the land of Egypt were Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, the sons of Reuben, of Hanak, the clans of the Hanakites, of Palu, the clan of Paluites, of Hezron, the clan of Hezronites, of Carmi, the clan of Carmites. These are the clans of the Reubenites, and those listed were 43,730. The sons of Palu, Eliab, and the sons of Eliab, Nemuel, Dathan, and Abiram. These are Dathan and Abiram, chosen from the congregation, who contended against Moses and Aaron in the company of Korah when they contended against the Lord. Now notice, they contended against Moses and Aaron when actually they they contended against the Lord. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah. When that company died, when the fire devoured 250 men, and they became a warning. Now notice, they became a warning. There are things that God does in people's lives that are very spectacular to stand as a warning. And there are things that we need to recognize with that. But the sons of Korah did not die. The sons of Simeon, according to their clans, of Nemuel, the clan of Nemulites, of Jamin, and the clan of Jamanites, and Jachin, the clan of Jachinites, of Jerah, the clan of Zerahites, of Shaul, the clan of Shaulites. These are the clans of the Simeonites, 22,200. The sons of God, sons of Gad, I'm sorry, the sons of Gad, according to their clans, of Zephon, the clan of Zephonites, of Haggai, the clans of Haggites, of Shanui, the clan of Shanuites, of Ozni, the clan of Oznites, and of Eri, the clan of Erites, of Arod, the clan of Ardites, and of Arila, the clan of Arilites. These are the clans of the sons of Gad, as they are listed, 40,500. The sons of Judah were Ur and Onan, and Ur and Onan died in the land of Canaan. And the sons of Judah, according to their clans, were Shalah, and the clan, the clan of Shalanites, of Perez, the clans of Perizzites, of Zerah, the clan of Zerites, and of the sons of Perez were of Hezron, the clan of Hezronites, and of Hamul, the clan of Hamulites. These are the clans of Judah, as they are listed 76,500. The sons of Issachar, according to their clans, of Tola, the clan of Tolites, of Pavu, the clan of Punites, of Jashub, the clan of Jashabites, of Shimron, the clan of Shimronites. These are the clans of Issachar, as they are listed, 64,300. Now, you need to go back and remember we read an earlier counting of the people of Israel. I want you to notice that the numbers have grown. The sons of Zebulun, according to their clans, of Sarad, the clan of Saradites, of Elon, the clans of Elonites, of Jalil, the clan of Jalilites, these are the clans of the Zebunites, as they are listed 60,500. The sons of Joseph, according to their clans, Manasseh and Ephraim. The sons of Manasseh, of Machir, the clans of Machirites, of, and Machir was the father of Gilead, of Gilead, the clan of the Gileadites. These are the sons of Gilead, of Ezar, the clan of Ezarites, of Helek, the clan of Helekites, and of Ashreel, the clan of Ashreelites, and of Shechem, the clans of Shechemites, and of Shemida, the clan of Shemidaites, and of Hefer, the clan of Heferites. 
Now, Zelophad, the son of Hefer, had no sons but daughters. And the names of the daughters were Zelophad and Mala, Noah, Holga, Milka, and Tizra. These are the clans of Manasseh, and of those listed were 52,700. These are the clans of Ephraim, according to their clans. Of Shethula, the clans of the Shethulaites, and of Becher, the clans of the Becherites. Of Tahan, the clan of Tahanites. These are the sons of Shilha, of Enron, and the clan of Enronites. These are the clans of the sons of Ephraim, as they are listed, 32,500. These are the sons of Joseph, according to their clans. The sons of Benjamin, according to their clans, of Bela, the clans of Belaites, and of Ashbel, the clan of Ashbelites, of Ahiram, the clan of Ahiramites, and of Shephufam, the clan of Shephumites, and of Hufham, the clan of Huhamites. And the sons of Bela are Ard and Naaman, and of Ard, the clan of Ardites, and of Naaman, the clan of Naamanites. These are the sons of Benjamin, according to their clans, and those listed are 45,600. These are the sons of Dan, according to their clans, of Shuham, the clan of Shuhamites. These are the clans of Dan, according to their clans, and the clans of Shahumites, as they are listed, were 64,400. The sons of Asher, according to their clans, of Imna, the clans of Imnites, and of Ishvi, the clans of Ishvites, and of Berea, the clans of Berites, and of the sons of Berea, of Heber, the clan of the Heberites, and of Machiel, the son of Machielites, and the name of the daughter of Asher was Sarah. These are the clans of the sons of Asher, as they are listed, 53,400. Say, Pastor, should we read every word like this? Yes, because you never know when a beautiful little truth is going to jump out. The sons of Naphtali, according to their clans, of Jazil, the sons of Jazilites, of Guni, the clan of Gunites, of Jazer, the clan of Jezerites, and of Shilam, the clan of Shilamites. These are the clans of Naphtali, according to their clans, and of those listed 45,400. This was the list of the people of Israel, 601,730. Now notice, I want you to notice who exactly they counted. Okay? This was, to, this was to be all those prepared for war. Okay, all those prepared for war. From 20 years old and upward, all in Israel who are able to go to war. So we are talking about men. So you can see the nation of Israel has grown substantially. Now we are at 601,730,000 men above the age of 20 prepared to go to war. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Among these the land shall be divided for inheritance according to the number of their names. To a large tribe you shall give a large inheritance. To a small tribe you shall give a small inheritance. Every tribe shall be given its inheritance in proportion to its list. Verse 55. But the land shall be divided by lot. According to the names of the tribes of their fathers they shall inherit. Their inheritance shall be divided according to lot between the larger and the smaller. This was the list of the Levites according to the clans of Gershon, the clan of Gershonites, of Kohath, the clan of Kohathites, of Merari, the clan of Merites. These are the clans of Levi, the clan of Libnites, the clan of Hebronites, the clan of Malites, the clan of Mushites, the clan of Korites, and Kohath was the father of Amram. The name of Amram's father was Jochebed, the daughter of Levi, who was born to Levi in Egypt. And she bore to Amran Aaron and Moses, and to Miriam their sister. And to Aaron 
were born Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Itmahar. But Nadab and Abihu died when they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. And those listed were 23,000 every male from a month old and upward. Now these are not part of the men who go to war. For they were not listed among the people of Israel, because there was no inheritance given to them from among the people of Israel. They did not receive an inheritance of land to work and assets. They were to focus their attention on spiritual leadership, on doing the work of God among the people, and God said, I will be their portion. These are those listed by Moses and Eleazar the priests, who listed the people of Israel in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. But among these, there was not one of those listed by Moses and Aaron the priest, who had listed the people of Israel in the wilderness of Sinai. So not one. None of those people who were on the list in Sinai are still alive. For the Lord had said to them, They shall die in the wilderness. Not one of them was left, except Caleb, the son of Jehunah, and Joshua, the son of Nun. All right, so these two men, these two men of faith, they got to enter the promised land because they had walked in faith. Chapter 27, verse 1. Then drew near the daughters of Zolophad, the daughter of Hepner, son of Gilead, son of Machir, son of Manasseh, from the clans of Manasseh of the son of Joseph. The names of his daughters were Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tizra. They stood before Moses and Eleazar the priest and before the chiefs and all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting, saying, Our father died in the wilderness. He was not among the company of those who gathered themselves against the Lord in the company of Korah, but died for his own sin, and he had no sons. So he's not, not part of rebellion. He's not part of the rebellion. He died for his own sin. He, he had not gone into the promised land when God told him to. Why should the name of our father be taken away from his clan because he had no son? Give to us a possession among our father's brothers. Now Moses brought their case before the Lord. Okay, God has said nothing. Now, now here's a great truth. When nothing said, say nothing, but pray. And, and th- this is the truth that every leader needs to get a hold of. You know, there are things people are going to bring to you that I'm sorry, there's nothing in the Bible about it. So learn, don't just make things up. If you don't know what to say, say nothing. Just say, let me go pray about that. And really, don't let me go pray about it like somebody just blowing off a question. But seriously, go and pray about it. Say, Lord, teach me. And the Lord said to Moses, the daughters of Zelophehad are right. You shall give them possession of an inheritance among their father's brothers and transfer the inheritance of their father to them. And you shall speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a man dies and has no son, then you shall transfer his inheritance to his daughter. Now, okay, women. Women's rights. You know, we get this idea that that God put women down, and he never did. If he had no daughter, then you shall give his inheritance to his brothers. And if he had no brothers, then you shall give inheritance to his father's brothers. And if his father had no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to the nearest kinsman of his clan, and he shall possess it. And it shall be for all the people of Israel a statute and a rule, as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, why needed? Why, why, why is this needed? Because before this day, there was no inheritance. No inheritance. 
there was no inheritance for the people of Israel. They were, they were slaves. But now they were the people of God. And forgive me, as the people of God, God brought them into asset-based living. Ah, okay, now we have asset-based life. God brought them into an asset-based asset life. So now there is an inheritance, and these things have to be thought of. You know, when you're poor, you never think about an inheritance. But as God blesses you, you need to go and make sure you make a will and you make sure things are taken care of properly. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Crown the year with your bounty.
New Testament passage this morning picks up in Luke chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of Iturea, Traconis, and Licinius, tetrarch of Albinae. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of the Lord came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Now notice, the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. Now Annas was the godfather. Caiaphas was the actual high priest. But remember, at this point, this is a political office. Both of these men are parts of the old Hasmonean dynasty that that ruled Judea in the intertestamental period. They are, they are Israelite nobility, all right? Now notice, the word of the Lord came to John. It, the word of the Lord did not come to Annas and Caiaphas. The word of the Lord came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. The word of the Lord did not come to Annas and Caiaphas in the temple. The word of the Lord came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh will see the salvation of God. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to notice here, this, this is John. John is a fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah. All right? He is the forerunner. He comes to prepare people's hearts for Messiah because there has been 400 years with no voice of God. In this 400 years, they had developed the, um, the synagogue system of worship and that had replaced basically what god had asked for in the laws of moses so they had a man-made system they had man-made offices they had man-made leadership they had man-made sacrifices they had man i mean everything was man's idea because they hadn't heard from god in 400 years now in order to prepare the people's hearts okay his job was to prepare hearts for the Messiah. He stood therefore, he said therefore to the crowds, he said therefore to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? All right, so he's, he's challenging people. I mean, he's, John is, 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 this is a tough ministry. He said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So repentance has fruit. When people truly repent, there is a fruit that is produced. See, repentance is not just, okay, I'm sorry, I won't do it anymore. Okay, Is there a fruit? When people truly repent, there is fruit produced. And he said, do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Uh, you, don't, you don't need any ministry that I've got because Abraham's your father. He said, don't even start that with me. For I tell you, God is able to from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. 
Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now notice, God chops down trees that don't bear fruit. Okay, so, you know, you, you look around the world today, and when you, you begin to see a spiritual cl- change in climate, you're, you're going to see that there are, are trees that no longer bear fruit, and they're cut down. Because, you see, the way God says things is it's all about the fruit. Now, I know people come along and they say, well, you can't, you can't judge things based on the fruit. Well, that's the only way God tells us to judge things. And the crowd answered them, what then shall we do? He said, whoever has two tunics is to share with one who has none. Whoever has food is to do likewise. So he said, all right, start sharing. Get generosity back in your hearts. The tax collectors also came to him to be baptized and said, teacher, what shall we do? He said, collect no more than what you're authorized to do. All right, so let's get some honesty in business. So, all right, let's get some sharing. Let's get let's start let's start sharing. Let's start getting some honesty back in business. Soldiers also ask him, and what are we to do? So notice we have we have the crowds, we have the tax collectors, and now we have the soldiers. Three very different groups of people. And he spoke different things to each one. The soldiers said, And what are, shall we do? And he said, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations, and be content with your wages. Now remember. Soldiers were foreign. The soldiers were foreigners. They they were the Roman occupying army. And, And, you know, their hearts were touched by John. I mean, there's something of the Holy Ghost here. And they said, what shall we do? And he said, you know, stop extorting money from people. Don't don't misuse power. Okay. Stop the misuse of power. And he said, be content with your wages. Stop stop stealing money because you have power and you want more money. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am unworthy to untie. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. Wow. To clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn up with an unquenchable fire. So Jesus is going to come and do some separation. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done. All right, so notice, John corrected regarding adultery and regarding evil things. John corrected him. He wasn't afraid of him. Now, To understand all of this that's going on, you have to take a look at the land of Israel. So the land of Israel looks like this. And there's the Sea of Galilee. And up here is Dan. And there's the Jordan River coming down through. And All right. This would be Jerusalem right about here. Okay. This is the area that is ruled over by Pontius Pilate. Up in here, Judea and coming down to the uh, Caesarea. 
Up in here, this area is the area ruled over by Herod. Okay, in Jesus' day, this was the area ruled over by Herod. And so Jesus is spending a lot of his time there. So, all right, Herod gets rebuked by, and really, Tiberius was built by Herod. Uh, Sephori was his main capital city. Sometimes we go on our Israel tour, depending on the weather, we go up to Sephori. It's a, it's a huge, it's a huge uh, archaeological site. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form. So the Holy Spirit has substance. Notice, in bodily form, like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Now, these are words every father should speak. Now, let me talk to all the dads for a minute. What was the last time you told your son, number one, I love you? Number two, I am pleased with you. Now, sometimes fathers, you know, forgive me, even Jesus needed to hear that from the Father. And he's the Savior. Fathers, your children need to hear from you. I love you, I'm pleased with you, and you are mine. I always tell you the story about this verse because I didn't grow up with a dad. I grew up in a broken home. And when I was 14, I was sent to live with my, my dad and my stepmom. And it was a long walk, and it was in the middle of the barrio. I mean, there, you didn't get around very easily there walking. But that's all I could do when I was 14. And my dad told me one day to go get some clothes because school was about to start. I was entering 10th grade. And so I walked down the big hill and through the valley and up the other side and past Grandpa's house and then crossed the big highway and went to this little thing called Mr. Thompson's. It was a little clothing store, bottling storefront in Alan. And I went in there to get some clothes. My dad had told me, pick out whatever you need, get some shoes, get some shirts, get some pants, okay, because you don't have any clothes. Because, you know, I'd grown up poor. I didn't have decent clothes. And I went and I, I didn't pick up very much because, you know, when you're, you've grown up poor, you don't go in and buy a lot of things. You, okay, maybe one or two pairs of pants, maybe a, maybe a couple of shirts, you know. And, you know, you, when you're poor, you're not used to spending money. So I went and I bought some things. And my dad had told me to sign it on their bill because in small towns like that, you just put it on the bill. And at the end of every month, uh, you go pay the bill. Well, I said, my, my father asked me to put it on his bill. And old Mr. Thompson looked at me and he said, well, who's your father? Who's your daddy? I said, Chuck Sumrall, Charles Sumrall. And he said, I know Charles Sumrall. And I know Ernest Sumrall, his father. Chuck Sumrall doesn't have a son. So young boy, go away. So I left. I cannot tell you how I felt that day. I walked all the way home, never said a word. My dad got home from work that night. David, did you get some clothes? Let me see what you got. He said, no. He said, I told you to go get your clothes. I said, I went up there. He said, well, why didn't you get anything? And I looked him straight in the eye. 
And I said, Mr. Thompson says, you don't have a son. And I just stared him in the eyes. My dad said, come with me. So we went and got in his old 1965 red, bright red, two-door Buick Wildcat. We drove back up. It was a lot easier to drive than walk. We got there. We walked in the door. He said, Mr. Thompson, he said, you don't know my son. But he said, this is my son, David. And his middle name is Ernest. He's named after his grandfather. Grandpa's name was Ernest E.C. Sumrall. Dad was Charles Huey. Grandpa was Ernest Charles. And I was David Ernest. He said, this is my son. He said, whatever my son puts on the bill, I'm responsible for. This is my son. He said, now, David, go get your clothes. So I went back and got all the pants. And I'll never forget, I, I wasn't arrogant or proud of Mr. Thompson. He was really a nice man. But I will never forget the feeling that I felt that my father took ownership of me and was proud to call me his son. Now, dads, your sons and daughters need to hear you say to people, this is my son. This is my daughter. And I'm so proud of them. Young people need to hear that. All right, let's get a little bit of wisdom out of Proverbs today before we close out. I got going a little too long on that. Proverbs for a little wisdom today. Proverbs chapter 14, beginning with verse 21. Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner. <laughs> now, look, look, whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner. Now, despise means to speak little of or to think little of. New Living Translation says it this way. It is a sin to belittle one's neighbor. You, you should never be talking down against your neighbors. These people live side by side with you. They live across the street with you. They live up the street from you. It is a sin to belittle one's neighbors. But blessed is he who is generous <laughs> to the poor. Oh, blessed is he who is generous to the poor. COP, I think, when we get to heaven, that will be the only time that we will understand all the blessings that God has brought to us as individuals, as families, and as a church for all that we have done to be generous to the poor. COP, I salute you and I thank you. I thank you for your desire to share and to help the poor. Notice, blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Do they not go astray who devise evil? Those who devise good meet steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, New Living says, if you plan to do evil, you will be lost. If you plan to do good, you will receive unfailing love and faithfulness. Now, that's beautiful. So what are you planning? What are you planning? Are you planning evil? Are you planning to destroy someone? You want to hurt somebody? Or are you planning good? When you plan good, you find steadfast love and faithfulness. Ah, in all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. Now notice, all toil, you, you need to get a hold of that. All hard work brings a profit. 
New Living Translation says, work brings a profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. You know, there comes a point when you got to stop talking and start doing. You just stop talking and start doing. The crown of the wise is their wealth, but the folly of fools brings folly. Now, that doesn't make sense. Look at it from the New Living. Wealth is the crown of the wise, the effort of fools yields only foolishness, all right? So when you work hard and you are a wise person, the crown, the crown that God gives to a wise person is wealth. Now, I know there are people who like to teach against prosperity and they want to teach that God wants everybody to be poor. But I want you to notice that God says the crown of the wise is their wealth. Ah. But the folly of fools, the effort of fools, yields only foolishness. A truthful witness saves lives, but the one who breathes out lies is deceitful. A truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is a traitor. One of the things you need to learn to do in life is when people start lying about you, understand these people are traitors. These people are deceitful. They say one thing to you, but then they stab you in the back. You don't get in a war with these people. You just move on. Have you ever noticed in the Gospels, Jesus never chased after people who were lying about him? Jesus never walked around wounded all the time because of the lies people were telling about him. But he just recognized these people are deceitful. These people are traitors. I'll, I'll, I won't. When he, when he chose the Last Supper, the location of the Last Supper, he, he did not choose among that type of people. He, he chose among the Essenes. He chose a safe place. Learn to live among good, righteous, honest people. That's a safe place to be. All right, we'll pick up tonight at 7 o'clock as we get back to the Book of Romans. We'll see you then.